Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. Hello there, Cheryl here. Today is an extremely special day. I'm so grateful to have Maggie Chan Jones, CEO and founder of Tenche. Maggie, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a busy day for you today. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. It's great to be here. Of course. Well, I feel like we're picking up a little where you left off with your interview with Gabriella Schuster and talking about allyship and sponsorship and the importance of that. And today, specifically, we're going to be talking about innovation, innovation really from across the entire spectrum of an, of an organization and how important that is, especially now at the time of year that we're in. But before we jump in, I thought I'd ask you a little bit about what inspired you to start your company? What inspired you to be a CMO? How did Maggie get to where she is today? In other words, did you have someone who inspired you to greatness? Or sometimes people even have like a situation that was difficult and then that was their motivation to kind of rise above it. So what's a little bit about your story? Yeah, well, so I was born and raised in Hong Kong um, by my single mom and my widowed um, grandmother and surrounded by my three amazing aunts. Um, so, you know, in a way, when I grew up, um, I really think that, you know, my mom, my grandmother and my aunts, they could do anything. So I always believe that women can do anything they want um, as long as they put their mind and efforts into it. So, you know, that has always been the inspiration to me in, in terms of always working hard, always, you know, um, putting your focus on where your passion is. And, you know, every step of the way, when I'm learning new things, I'm always curious about, you know, about learning, about um, understanding how things work together. And marketing is really a combination of storytelling and um, I love technology on how technology can really change lives. Um, that's how I ended up in marketing and tech. That is really, really exciting. Did you have one aunt or your mom or somebody in particular that like specifically sparked something in you? You know, I would say not, not for my corporate career or marketing per se, because um my aunts and my mom were entrepreneurs and, um, and I, you know, funny enough, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. And the fact that I decided to start my own company, Tenshi, five, almost five years ago now, um, which was totally coincidence. Um, but it was great that I was able to get some insights from my aunt who was a, you know, who, who was a super, you know, um, entrepreneur who started her own business in Hong Kong, and I get to learn a lot from her. That is so amazing. So I think that's really important. Then, you know, for anyone listening, to think about what you're passionate about and what you love doing, and is there anyone, you know, around you that can spark an interest or support you? Because it seems like you might have gotten a lot of inspiration from your aunt, this even this particular aunt, maybe even without realizing it because you just saw what she was doing. Yeah, that could very well be true. And, and I think the one thing that I really learned from my mom, my aunt, and my aunts and my 
grandmother was, they always worked hard. And, you know, the work ethics was definitely something I picked up from them from very early days. Yeah, well, I, it seems like with everything that you're doing and all that you're achieving, I imagine that your work ethic is there 100%. And so, well, before we get into our main topic on the importance of innovation and how to inspire it in others, can you share a little bit talking about work ethic? And even if we have, you know, an amazing work ethic, it requires a certain mindset to either be a female leader in corporate or to start and have a really successful business. And so, um, you know, as a coach and mental toughness and high performance, I always have to ask the question, what mindset has allowed you to see the success, you know, that you've seen up to this point? I think is really about seizing the opportunity. I mean, so often I think, you know, sometimes we think about, oh, can I really do this? Like, do I have what it takes to get this done or to go for this opportunity? And actually studies have shown that, you know, as an example, men would go for a job opportunity when they're 60% qualified, where women in general don't go for the job until they are 90 to 100% qualified. Um, so, you know, for me, the importance, you know, the important mindset is really about going for those opportunities, even though when, you know, there's a little noise in, you know, little voice in your head saying, no, you can't do that, but just go for it. Um, you know, something that I always tell myself when I'm going for big opportunities is, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Like you get a no, and is that that bad, right? So, you know, when I can go through that, you know, that conversation almost in my head, then I would just go for those, um, those opportunities. And I think that is so important. It reminds me, I just watched the masterclass for um, um, Richard Branson. Mm. And his motto reminds me a little bit, yours is a little bit tidier than his, his is screw it, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and so I thought I would, because when you have that opportunity, you know, sometimes it's just thinking of how we want it to turn out. Yep. You know, and just committing and getting some help. So I love that so much. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Richard Bronson because, like, I remember seeing one of his quotes too that says, you know, if somebody offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure whether you can do it, just say yes, then learn how to do it later. And I totally agree. And I would say, learning how to do it very quickly so that you can really take advantage of that. Yeah, 100%. And I think he actually borrowed that quote from Henry Ford. I've seen it really? a few times. And so, I mean, the grades all seem to think alike. So including yourself, I'm going to lump you in there with those. <laughs> You're too happen. kind. Um, and, so, and so also, too, you know, if you don't mind getting a little bit vulnerable with us, I thought I would ask, um, have you ever felt doubt or fear and pushed through anyway? And the reason why I ask that question, you know, and of course, after working with Olympians and some of the amazing, you know, amazing female leaders across the country is that I learned that everybody has fear. Yeah. You know, fear isn't a bad thing. It means that we care. Right. Yep. But the, the difference between world class performers and everyone else seems to be that world class performers have fear and they push forward. So, and I imagine that's how you've been too. So 
have you ever doubted yourself and pushed through anyway? And can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think, you know, to your point, you you know, your fear of failure because you care and because you're pushing yourself to, you know, to your limit as well. And I think for me, you know, I'll give you an example. When I first started, um, you know, serving on boards, um, that was really scary because, you know, what, what was tough was, you know, I felt like majority of board members are usually at least a decade um, older than I am, which also means they have way more experience than I do. So when I'm walking into the room as the youngest, you know, board member at that table, I really wanted to ensure that, you know, I can really bring the unique value into that conversation. And so, you know, for me is first and foremost is telling myself that, yes, you belong there. You belong in the boardroom and you belong at this table. Then the second piece is, okay, then, you know, what, what are these unique values that I bring to the table? You know, coming from the marketing and tech background, those are the experiences that I bring in. And also in a way coming in from a different generation actually give me a very different perspective. And, you know, more and more board members are more, as spending more time engaging with employees. And I can tell you um, that, you know, that part is something that I enjoy a lot. And, you know, making those connections with the future leaders and the current executives are something that, you know, uh, I spend a lot of time on as, as a board director. Thanks so much for that. And I want to highlight something that you mentioned twice, and that was your unique value. So when we talk about innovation, um, I want to loop back to that as well, because a lot of times, uh, in, to your point, and I think that you were actually in that um, pretty generous thinking that women, like when you mentioned women need to check, you know, have 60% qualified and men are, you know, I mean, 90 to 100% and men yeah. are 60, I think men will go for it with 30%. I mean, they're just more likely to throw their hat, right. you know, into the arena. And I think it, what you said about your unique value because mm -hmm. even as you know you might be a decade younger going to a board meeting but you'll also have you know um folks that are emerging leaders you know mm -hmm. that are very new but i think it's really important what you said about unique value because everybody has it when it comes right. to innovation and yeah. so I want everyone listening to really remember that, whether it's among your peers or your leadership, to really do what Maggie says and get very clear on what your unique value is and have the courage to speak up about it. That was su that's super important. And finally, uh, last thing that I wanted to mention before we talk about the topic is you have an amazing book out called Decoding Sponsorship. And since in the world of high performance, we love talking about being proactive. And yeah. I love the idea of that book and helping others to learn how maybe to be, be proactive about being a sponsor or searching out one. So do you want to take just a moment to talk about the book and how it's really been transforming others? 
Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so the book Decoding Sponsorship is really about my own journey and also some of my friends' executives' journey on, you know, their way to the C-suite and, um, and you know, many of the stories on how do you cultivate sponsorships by first really understand internally within yourself on where you want to go, where do you want to take your career? How do you build your career roadmap? Um, and, and then along the way, how do you cultivate those relationships with leaders that are at a higher level than you who can become your sponsors? And when I became a, an executive myself, how do I sponsor others in the organizations? How do we continue to build a leadership pipeline that is diverse and inclusive. And, um, you know, it's been, it, it was such a fun journey writing this book and learning, you know, not only, you know, reliving some of my own stories, but also learning other stories as well. So, you know, hopefully people would also find some learnings and spark some new ideas for them too. Yeah. So if you are interested in this space and how to have a more diverse and equitable workplace and you haven't read decoding sponsorship i cannot recommend it enough i'm so glad that you took the time to put all of that down on paper i know that it's not easy for sure <laughs> thank you and so well let's hop right in because i think it's so like i said it's very timely this is an important topic but it's also very timely to talk about innovation in the workplace because we're in a very different climate now, and hopefully coming out of COVID, finally, um, you know, some companies, COVID actually did good things for their business, and some companies, obviously, not so much. But either way, it feels like, or at least based on the leaders that I've been talking to, is that it is a time to really hunker down think about how is 2023 going to be different? How are we going to do yeah. things around here? And a lot of times um, it seems like it's a really important time to think about how are we going to innovate to not just survive, but thrive in the coming year. So can you share your insights on that and you know how you're helping some of your clients and what you can share with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point, you know, we are in a world that is changing so rapidly in the last few years, you know, in terms of the way we work, um, in terms of, you know, we, everyone as consumers, how we consume products, um, how we buy, everything is changing. So, you know, innovations can really go from, you know, how you work to what do you work on and, and how do you create better consumer experience as well. So from an innovation perspective, you know, it, it also goes into for many companies is about that digital transformation, that the, the journey that they are on. So, you know, it's so important. I would say any type of innovations have to start from the outcome. What is the outcome that you want to achieve? What is that customer experience that you want to have for your organization or even within your own work group? Like, how do you change the way you do work because of the different environment that we are in? And if we start from the end goal of where we want to be, then working backward on what needs to change 
that is, you know, that's going to give you a lot more, um, a lot more ways to get people to, you know, to kind of being your allies as you will, right? And and building that partnership to drive change. So starting with the end in mind, you are so talking my language right now. I like love this. And so can you, let's say, uh, you know, maybe compare if there is a difference or if not, let me know too, but between maybe a more established season leader who's leading a large team opposed to maybe a, a manager or a director who is um, really is going to need to innovate and who wants to innovate, is, is it different based on you know, your experience, the size of the team that you're leading, or some of the principles just really the same? You know, to me, I feel like the principles are the same, but you know, your role may be different, right? When you're leading a big organization, leading change, more of what you do is, you know, around the communications of the vision that you have on where you want to go and how do you cultivate the organization to come with you. If you were leading a smaller team on driving that change on the ground, that is more about what are the things that you are working on and how are your key performance indicators are mapping to the bigger organizational goals and how do you really drive those milestones every step of the way? That seems so, so important. And, you know, we also were talking before we went live on what is the environment? And we're also talking a little bit about the, the yoga sound healing retreat that I was on uh, last weekend, which kind of, um, you know, is kind of uh, apropos, you know, yeah. thinking about what mindset, in other words, what environment is innovation possible and not possible in? We had, I feel like a really important conversation about that before we went live. So uh, before we can talk about the strategy, you know, based yeah. on your experience, what is really important so we can position ourselves to be innovative and to use some of the amazing advice that you're talking about? Yeah, you know, Cheryl, I love the conversation that we, we just had, you know, about really taking the time for yourself to be creative. Innovations is about new ideas. It's about breakthrough. So, you know, how do you create that environment first and foremost for yourself, right? Um, so I mentioned that for me, for the longest time, um, I know I am most creative and I have my best ideas when I am completely relaxed. And usually that means when I was on a vacation. Um, so oftentimes, I actually, when I went on a vacation, you know, somewhere else um, internationally, I would delete my email box, my work email box from yes, my phone. I love that. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I know when I have my emails on my phone, I'm, you know, I'm just going to look at them. And, you know, all these alerts that come in, it's going to get me back into the work mode. So, for me, if I took that away, and people know, of course, you know, for any type of work emergency, they know how to find me. Um, but outside of that, if I could be, you know, completely unplugged, that's where my biggest ideas come into play. 
And, you know, I know everyone is different, but really finding your way to be creative um, and safeguarding those environment is very key. And sometimes also, you know, for me, I also know the different time of day is also more creative for me as in the morning. So I tend to, you know, I may get up very early in the morning and start working, but, but my working was more about thinking time, like, you know, between seven to nine or 10 a.m. That's the time that I use a lot to kind of thinking about, you know, not only about what I'm going to do for that day, but, you know, what are some of the creative ideas that I may have and before I go into all these back-to-back meetings. Yeah, 100%. And if you're listening, think, well, first of all, the I want to spotlight the deleting the email. So if you read James Clear's book, Atomic Habit, you know, if you have bad habits, which in, I wouldn't say looking at email is necessarily a bad habit, but maybe it's a bad habit when you're on vacation and trying to innovate. You have to make those as impossible, like nearly impossible. You know, we can't, you know, um, willpower isn't really a thing. And if it is a thing, it's diminishing. So that was so smart uh, that you did that. And when it comes to, you know, maybe not everybody has a week to take off, but even in your day, like you were saying, that morning time is really sacred. So is there a way to, you know, have some tea or have your coffee and look out the window and just kind of decompress you know it can be for a few minutes a few days a few weeks you know whatever is appropriate so it's really great to see and i'm so glad that you are giving people a window into your ability to innovate and really encouraging them to find a way to do it you know and i know that you have a, a team retreat coming up so is there a way that you help everyone innovate during that retreat yeah, like, you know, I love that my team and I are getting together in Connecticut, um, actually at my house on the lake. So um, so that environment hopefully is already very inviting and giving us um, time to really reflect and also time to really think about the future. You know, to your point, we're in the last quarter of the year, um, you know, really starting to think about what does the, you know, the following year, 2023, going to look like. Um, I think the other thing is creating that togetherness is important. Um, I mean, in the last few years, obviously, you know, with the pandemic, we couldn't get together a lot of time. So, you know, taking advantage of this time that we can come together, I, I think when we can come together in person, we can actually really spend the time to be creative and, and thinking about big ideas. Yeah, 100%. And so last question I have, if let's say for leaders specifically that let's say are from two to six years, two to six years from an exit. So they're really thinking about a legacy plan, a successor plan. In other words, so I'm going to exit. What do I want this place to be like when I'm not here anymore? Or how did I matter? How was it different? And so if you are a leader that is two to six years from an exit and we're coming into kind of an interesting economic climate, have to make some difficult decisions, yeah. um, what advice can you offer as far as, you know, innovating when you're coming down the home stretch in your tenure and you're at the same time coming into kind of a possibly a challenging economic climate? 
Yeah, I would look at it in two ways. One, to your point about, you know, when you are, you know, a few years away from leaving an organization, you know, every role that I was in in the corporate environment was, I always think about how do I actually work myself out of the role? What I mean by that is, you know, what what I wanted to get to was, you know, the organization that I was leading should be so, you know, streamlined. And, you know, the leaders are so ready to take on bigger responsibilities that I no longer need to be in that role. Um, and, and I think as a leader, I also think that by doing so, I am also creating more room for the for the leaders um, that are rising as well, giving them more responsibility. Um, so that's kind of how I think about, you know, um, as someone who may be thinking about, you know, the exit later on. And, you know, I would also say for that person who's thinking about what's next, I think there are so many great opportunities now, and I've seen so many people, and myself included, um, when we kind of leave the, you know, the corporate operating role, as you will, is to think about what truly matters to us, right? And thinking about what are your passion. For me, it, you know, starting Tenshi, founding Tenshi was really my passion of how do I create, you know, how do I contribute to a world where we can create more diversity and inclusion? How can I help more women, LGBTQ leaders and people of color to, you know, get to um, leadership positions and into the boardroom as well? And that to me was something that is important that is connected to my own personal mission and you know built you know continuing to work on my board work is also you know part of that plan i have seen so many of my colleagues um you know former colleagues building their next next phase of career building their portfolio career and this is truly i would say it's like not a retirement but it's truly a rewirement i think you might have to coin that hashtag Immediately. <laughs> I, I, I definitely learned that from someone else. So, so it's spreading. <laughs> yeah. So, and you are a perfect example of that. I love your conversation with Gabriella Schuster earlier today. She's another great example of a rewirement for sure in a yes. powerful way. And Maggie Chan Jones, I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Congratulations again on your book, Decoding Sponsorship. And I really look forward to following you. And I just can't wait to see what's next. I'm sure it's going to be an amazing year. Cheryl, thank you so much. It's such a delightful conversation with you. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow or subscribe to the Limitless Leader podcast with Cheryl Klein on whatever podcast platform you use. We'll let you know every time we release a new episode. And if you really enjoyed what you've heard so far, rate and review us too. That's one of the best ways that you can support us and make sure that this podcast keeps going. And also, I offer a significant library of free mental toughness and high-performance videos, worksheets, tips, and other helpful content on my website at www 
www.cherylkline.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Cheryl Klein, and I look forward to having you back next time. And remember, you're only limited by what you think is possible. Cheering you on always.